Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Episode two, we're live now. You are driving today. Where are you headed? Uh, I'm headed north today. Uh, Got to go see a couple of people and see a coach. And yeah, man, it's uh, it's a good thing. Like the, the flexibility of my job is really cool because it has a lot of diversity to it. And and sometimes the diversity gets stressful. And like I've told you before, having to be at three places at once. But yeah. um, no, it's it's really it. I can get down the dark hole of letting it get to me, or I can stop and look and be like, man, I get to do a lot of really cool things and I get to do a lot of different things. So today's a little bit different, uh, you know, just mm -hmm. making the trip and uh, make some contacts. And, you know, that's, that's really what my job revolves around is finding people that are doing interesting things, incredible things, talking to them, you know, educating them in any way that I can, whether it's connecting them to someone else or answering a question about Sornex or any of those things. I just try to help everyone as much as I can. So a lot of the, a lot of the zoom stuff yeah. you know, is so beneficial, but I am a firm believer just on, just on my own experience. I can have the same conversation in zoom and in person and there's a different effect afterwards. So you know, yep. I like some of this in-person stuff. I like meeting some of the different people. There's some assholes, you know, along the way, just like anything in life. But, man, most of the people that I get to interact and deal with, most, are, are just good people. And then there's there's always the flip side of that, too. But this is a good one. Yeah. Well, and you're a road dog, so I can't imagine it's real hard for you to, like, just want to get in the truck and drive somewhere anyways. <laughs> you know, it, it's this is my office. This has been my bed. This has been my home. I mean, it, it really isn't an exaggeration to say any of those things. Uh, I'm very, very comfortable in my truck. Uh, obviously, spend a lot of time here. I got 390,000 miles on this thing. <laughs> so uh, awesome. <laughs> so it's it, it's a it's a weird thing because a lot of people, you know, I hear like this is something that maybe it goes back to. I, I just never I never distanced myself from what I wanted because of mileage or time. Um, you know, when I first started training at Westside Barbell in Columbus, I was leaving me and a guy named Jake Anderson. He trained with me at a gym here in Kentucky called Gorilla Squad Barbell out of my friend Robbie's gym. And it was actually his garage and just phenomenal lifters kept coming through this place. It was just an organic, really good gym for guys like me to train. Not much money, not much know-how, but we had piss and vinegar, so to say, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we just wanted to mm -hmm. be strong. And this drink, this gym bred that. Well, Jake and I started driving up to Westside two to three times a week, uh, leaving at two o'clock in the morning, getting up there around five five thirty, having breakfast with Louie at six, training at eight, and then back on the road home at ten o'clock. And mm -hmm. we both, I mean, he he did some days that I didn't go, and I did some days that he didn't go. But we both did that for months until we eventually both moved up there. So, literally, the the greatest powerlifting gym 
in the world, unarguably at the time, was in Columbus, Ohio. That's three yeah. hours from where I live. Yeah. I don't know that I would be talking to you today or anybody would have ever heard of me as a power lifter had I not made those drives, you know, and it's not mm -hmm. sitting here patting myself on the back saying it's heroic. It's just, that's what I wanted to do. That's, that's what I wanted to invest my time and, and effort into. And that's the way I've always done things. Like I go deep dive. I talk to as many people as I can. I'll go as far as I have to because every single person is going to give you something different. But what I found is I don't look for the total. I look for the one small thing that's different than the guy before. Mm. You know, I just keep trying to build yeah. this, this notebook, so to say, of what makes people great and what makes people different. And those things have helped me apply to myself tremendously. And I think one of the problems that I see today is that a lot of people want the goal. They're unwilling to even do the minimum, let alone the grandiose to get what they want. And, you know, is what you want really what you should get? I don't know, but I sure do appreciate the idea and understand, at least in my life, I can point to the times where I wanted something and, and didn't really give the effort for it. Mm didn't get it. But the things, yeah. I think I even said this last time, the things that I have truly put my heart into and devoted to in my life are really, they're, they've always come to fruition. Maybe not exactly how I wanted, but definitely at a much higher level than I ever believed. I, I remember when I started powerlifting in multiply gear, um, my, my goal, like vision of a, of a huge total was 2000 pounds. You know, like I thought mm -hmm. if I do that, then I am legitimately a strong man. Well, I went on to do that. And then I went 2100, 2200, 2300, 2400, 2500, 2600. And then also as a raw lifter, no equipment whatsoever, except a belt and uh, knee wraps. I went 2237 belt only. I went 2105. So not setting my ceiling in 2000, just understanding to me, if I hit that point, that's when I recognize myself as elite, you know, in that, in that conversation of elite. Now, elite does not mean you were great. There were far greater lifters above me, even at that 2000 pound mark, but I was considered elite. And, uh, once I got there, the vision shifted to how good can I become? And that's where the West side visits, the move to Columbus, uh, traveling to California and Texas and Oklahoma and New York and Connecticut, all these states where all these phenomenal lifters were just to get a training session or two. Um, because every single time I came back, like I said, I went to my notebook, I went to make changes or one little statement that was made that, that just clicked the light bulb. And like we talked about with the recurve, I was doing things and getting positive results, but I didn't actually understand what I was doing. If that makes sense. Right. I didn't yeah. know why the result was on the heels of the effort. So, you know, I think that's one thing that I've noticed a lot of people, it, seemingly, seemingly, uh, it appears to me that more people than ever have become fascinated with the viral mindset where if they yes. do one thing outlandishly or uh, visibly, that that will echo forever and they will be able to achieve whatever it is they, they're looking to achieve. Not me. I've always been the slow burn, just one foot in front of the other kind of guy. And, you know, I, I don't know that that makes me better, but I do know that in the current times, I certainly feel different. Well, and I think it's important to note, too, because the idea of this, like, one thing that's going to make all the difference, right? When that thing actually does make the difference is when you've put in however many hours and years to like essentially not re maybe reach your capacity, but have a ton of growth. And then that one thing actually makes a really big difference. Like you, you know, how you were saying where you train forever and we're already stupid strong before you even went to go see Lou at Westside, you know, and right. like his stuff at the, at that point, that makes a huge difference because you'd already put in tons of volume, tons of built up a ton of capacity. And I don't even just mean actual muscle tissue stuff, right? I mean, just like mindset, training, the discipline, all of that stuff builds and compounds over time. And then that one thing actually will make a pretty big difference because you're chasing the, how can I get 1% better? Because that's going to take me from like what you said, elite to great, 
right? It's not going to, like, that one yes. thing probably won't work for somebody at the very beginning who's just going from, I'm a total newbie. Will this thing take me from newbie to great? Like, that won't do anything for that person yeah. most of the time. You have to put in those hours and you have to put in whatever it is, like, just the, the time and the diligence to actually chase that thing. And that actually ties into what we were talking about before on kind of where this conversation wanted to go, talking about authenticity and you can, I, I think people at this point in the, in the social media world, maybe, I, I, I guess maybe I'm over-optimistic in some degrees on this. I think people have a pretty good BS meter when they see things at yeah. this point, just because we've been, I mean, almost because we've become so skeptical about everything, right? So maybe it's not like I'm overly optimistic. Maybe I'm just so skeptical that pe I believe people have a really good BS meter for stuff. And so when they see things that clearly are like, oh, this person really hasn't put in the time, but they're out here doing this thing that they say is going to make everybody's lives better. Like people can usually pick that up, I would think at this point, but the people that have the real like down home message of just doing the work and making things, you know, very mundane, like that's the, that's the thing that people don't get is like greatness usually comes from how long can you do mundane things really well, you know? Yeah. Well, and I, I think that to kind of spin off of that, I want to I want to be very complimentary to Louie now, uh, <clears throat> where at the time I, I could not hear what he said in a positive light. Mm -hmm. So the first time that right. I met Louie, he, he had seen me lift uh, at a competition. I spoke to him and, you know, at the competition, like most people, he was like, oh, you're a strong guy. You're, you know, keep lifting. Good to see you kind of thing. Nice to meet you. And whenever I left that competition, I wasn't disappointed with my performance, but I knew that I had, I, I knew there was a gap between what I was doing and where I was capable of potentially being. And I could not figure out what that bridge was. And I started calling Louie to his credit, uh, if not the, one of the most sought after strength coaches, uh, physical coaches in all of the world. And he's talking to me on the phone and that really, that really kind of developed that respect. And I was kind of enamored with the idea of being a guy that he helped, you know, I wanted to be a, one of his guys. And, um, so I meet him for breakfast and he was like, Hey, what'd you squat at that meet? And I was like 750. And he said, what's your weight class? And I said, 275. And he's like, well, that ain't going to cut it. And he was like, I got a 181 woman that squats 750. And he was talking about <laughs> Laura Phelps. And, right. you know, that's that thing right there. It pissed me off in a way that I think people are lacking being pissed off. He didn't say mm. it to hurt my feelings. He didn't say it to make make his lifter sound better than me. He made a factual statement. If he can develop a 181 pound competitive powerlifting woman to squatting 750 pounds, what kind of monsters is he building in the 275 pounds men class? So I can tell you, 1,060, 1,030 squatter, 1,040, 1,102, on and on and on and on. So where I was, I I immediately wanted to go into that place and him be like, oh, you're so great, Brandon. You're so strong. We'd love to train with you. And he basically told me, you're not strong enough yet. And yeah. I went home. I followed a protocol that he helped me develop. I squatted 900 pounds at a competition that he was at. At that event, this was like four months apart. So a 16-week training cycle, I went from 750, which I really thought I was about 825, 830, uh, yep. but, but expressed it on the platform as 750. 16 weeks later, I squatted 900 and totaled 2,200. A 100-pound jump in 16 weeks across my three lifts. Um, actually, it was more than that. Um, it was 160 pounds. But nevertheless... 10 pounds a week of progression just by doing things that he knew better because he had seen right. lifter after lifter after lifter make these mistakes. And the point of that being, I really think for me, Louie was a mirror to my life as a lifter that I could not be to myself. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I was the guy that avoided mm -hmm. the, I avoided the mirror. I didn't want to know that I wasn't the strongest. I didn't want to know that I wasn't better than everybody but that's like, that's like climbing a hill in your town and telling everybody you're the biggest mountain climber in the world. There's somebody out there climbing Everest or K2 or any of these other places, 
and I think a lot of people do that. They they find their little secular region, they impress that group of people, and then they're the big dog, and they lose that bite. They lose the hunger for for the life they actually mm-hmm. want because they're being treated as if they have gotten what they have wanted. And uh, that was very very dangerous for me in in hometown because as I started to gain some notoriety in powerlifting it was easy to fall into that I am strong, I am the man kind of belief. And all that did was take me backwards as a man, as a lifter. Mm. Um, And I think when people are looking at someone to model after, we see these people and they've got money and they've got cars and they've got houses. And if it's your thing, they might have 15 women slung all over them like Dan Bilzerian or whatever it is. Like whatever that thing is that you are wanting or feeling lacking of, somebody is doing it. So when you start watching it, what do you do? You start saying the things they say. You start wearing the clothes that they wear, the hairstyles that they wear, the whatever it can be. Within your world right now, we start to try to emulate. The problem with a lot of these people is I don't know that those people selling you something are actually fully capable of admitting the truth about the things they are selling you. These are not their ideas. These are not their concepts. These are not their beliefs. Uh, these are ways that they know that they can take men, women, whoever, isolate an idea, and then make you feel like you're not good enough until you talk to me so I can give you that piece of advice. Louie did it for free. Yeah. Louie did it because he cared about lifting as a whole, as, a, as an entirety. That's what scares me a lot with some of these self-help things is that yep. who are we actually helping? I am a big believer in community. I'm a firm believer in tribe. But when you have to perpetuate these ideas of you're not good enough yet, 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 sometimes that's true. But sometimes a guy needs to hear, hey, man, great job. That's a lot better than you were. And what I've found yep. just in, in monitoring some of these groups is that side of it never comes. You never recognize when somebody comes better. So are these people actually authentic? Are they actually giving you value? Or are they teaching you how to look the part of what you hope to be? And and sadly, and maybe accusatorily, I think it is more of that that I'm seeing. And I could be yeah. way off base. But that is the perception that I see, is that people have found a way to market themselves. Or it's the, because or it's got the total. Because they money in the bank. They've got, yeah. Well, I, do, I just I was think just say, or it's the total opposite. We all of that. want more money. Yes, absolutely, and I think, you know, again, I I don't want to beat the recurve to death like it's just the greatest thing in the world, but that's a difference that I can apparently see between compound as an industry and recurve as an industry. Right, the compound stuff is based on sales, design, ads, whatever. The recurve community is based Technology. on tradition. You know, like the the, the traditional archery, the, the most guys are shooting because their grandfather shot that way or their father shot that way. So it's a much different thing to the same end. Um, there's, there's generational information that I think we in the United States right now are neglecting. We're trying to carve ourselves out as this amazing uh, super being and promote that to people to make them feel inferior so that they'll buy whatever I'm selling. I don't like that. If, if you're sitting here telling me, man, this is what I do and my day goes pretty good, I might be inclined to ask more questions. I might be inclined to join a group like that where it's actually a conversation about what you're doing, what I'm doing, and how we can help each other. It's not so much that way with a lot of these groups. It's like, I'm going to help you. You're going to pay me. And when you think about the two, like you had said, it's, it seems like where things need to be successful. And this is my experience in the last handful of years working primarily with men, right? Like there's just certain ways that men respond better to adversity. Like if it's dealt in the, in a, in a certain way or, or criticism or coaching or whatever it is. So you can't do the, all the time, like just busting somebody up and, and tearing them down and tearing them down and, and making them feel inferior, like you had said. But at the same time, on the other end, there's whole sections of men groups now that are just coddling. 
and saying how like yeah. you've been, you know, misunderstood, you're correct, you're all, you know, you're doing all of these things right. People don't understand you or you need to do all of these things or you already are doing all these things. You're great. You're awesome. And that kind of feeds into what you were talking about where somebody who is is whatever their community is is so small and they love hearing that stuff so much, they feel like, oh, I've reached it. I've reached the top without ever having really done anything or without really having been told a different, uh, like anything different. And so they're like, oh, I, you know, and this is where you can really get into some like literal dangerous situations to some degree. You know, if like you go out into a place sure. and you're, you think you're capable of all of these things that you've never had tested, you know, and you find out pretty harshly the other thing is what happens. Uh, and so yeah. I th- obviously it's like most things where that middle ground is where you're going to be a lot more successful with having that balance between, listen, yeah, you, you can reward the person. You can say, hey, you're doing a great job. You've shown a lot of improvement. But also, especially with men, like they need the kick every once in a while yeah. or maybe more than every once in a while to kick it into that next gear. And maybe it's maybe like a little bit of negative coming at them, but that's very good in a lot of instances. Well, and you know, I think too, one of the things that I know as an athlete is I used to talk to Austin Freeland when he was still working at Sornex. He was our, he was our media marketing guy, phenomenal dude. And he was like, you're just a really well aimed missile. He was like, if I tell you to do something, it's done. But in my own personal development, my own career, one of the things that I have lacked at times and have really committed to doing more of is what can I do next? Asking myself that simple question because it's like, okay, project's done. Wait for instruction. Project's done. Wait for instruction. So I think a lot of men are like myself. They grew up in athletics. They always had a coach. They had a strong father. And I think what happens to those men is not that they're incapable of decision-making or plotting their course, so to say. I think they were trained to receive direction. So helping men understand that they have that capacity, they just need to formulate the direction. And that's one of the things, I wouldn't call it a men's group. Most of my training groups have had an intellectual side to them. Um, And and that's kind of the stuff that we get into. Like, would you squat four more sets if I didn't tell you to? No. Well, you need to know that you need those four more sets. Well, here's why. And if I always hold the why, I'm never free to let you go and become your own man. You're always going to come to me for that direction. What happens is, is I give you the why. The next time you make a mistake, we talk about it, we readdress, and we just keep fine-tuning and fine-tuning and fine-tuning until we shape ourselves into what we want to become. And I think that is where men's groups like yours, I, I admire you for doing this a very different way, um, is that you will give the direction, you will help them understand the why, and you will give them the footing to do it on their own. That's what leadership is. That's what being a man is to me, is making those around me stronger, better, and my peer rather than above them or below them. Like. We all, like any group of people, you pick up a guitar, you're going to crush me. You pick up a recurve bow, I might outshoot you. We all have strengths and gifts and talents. And we start assuming that one person, because they have some form of status, has the keys to all those things. We've lost the way. This, I've been reading a lot of books about Native Americans, uh, some of the, like the Empire of the Summer Moon for one. But one of the things Mm, that really stuck out to me, Oh, it's, it's an amazing book. One of the things that stuck out to me was really at the end, whenever the, the United States has pretty much ushered all the, all the natives onto reservations and they were taking the last little bit of the, the tribes, um, one of the things that really stood out to me is he was like, you give us land, but we already had it. You give us access to the river, but we always fished it. You give us ability to hunt, but we've hunted for, for centuries. You see what I mean? So... These things are innately Mm -hmm. free. These things are innately given by the world that we live in. We have just traded those gifts and those ties to 
need and necessity of family or tribe for, hey, I'm a lone wolf. Hey, I'm self-made. Hey, I did this shit myself. No, you did not. No, you did not ever. Because did you sell all those things? No, people bought those things to support you. You might have made something really cool, but without the support of people, you wouldn't right. be jack shit. So I think that kind of mentality or that, you know, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to become this person, become this, or I'm going to make a shit ton of money. Okay, that's great. Do those things. Then tell me how happy you are. Because if you don't know why you're doing those things or you don't know the, the core value of what you're gaining from those things, I became one of the top ranked lifters in the world. Lived on a golf course, made a lot of money. One of the most miserable humans alive. For 30 years of my life, I made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. I am not perfect. I am flawed and flawed and flawed some more. But in the last 10 years, especially after my injury at 32 that changed the whole course of my life, I had some really hard questions to answer and I had some really hard truths to face down. I had to look myself in the face and know that I was not in the position that I wanted to be because I had stacked the deck for one end of the cards. I just wanted to be a good power lifter and hope the rest would take care of itself. That does not make a man. How much you lift on a barbell does not make you a man, does not make you a beast, does not make you a savage. You're going to die the same as the rest of us. I've been big and strong, stronger than a lot of dudes. You couldn't tell me how much I lifted. Most people that ever followed me couldn't tell you how much I lifted. They just knew I was strong. My identity was wrapped up in every single pound I lifted though. That's just mm -hmm. it. These people- that And it was are, just for yourself at that point. Yeah, it was not, it was masturbation is what it was. It was literal mental masturbation because I hit a big lift, mm -hmm. I get the post, I share the post, it gets the likes, it gets the follows, it gets the, the hate, the love, everything in between. So then it becomes that dopamine hit. And it's like, oh man, I gotta go a little harder today so I can put up a bigger weight yeah. than I lived the last time. Well, I'm guilty of that. The very thing that I am pointing out now as be cautious of it. I'm not telling you that these people are wrong. I don't want to accuse anybody of being a fraud or being wrong or misleading or anything. I am just telling you to use yourself as the compass. If somebody says to you, hey man, you got to go out here and slap your nuts on the concrete seven times, you're going to wake up $10,000 in the bank. Well, you'll slap your nuts on the ground seven times and tell you how much money's in the bank. Probably not much. But if you're a smart enough person, you hear that and you realize that person's full of shit. Same thing with any of these situations. Have an ounce of reflection before you throw your dollar, your time, or your investment at someone. Like, especially if you were asking for help. And that's essentially what all of these groups are. It's an admission of, I need help getting from where I am to where I hope to be. And I trust you to do it. Well, yeah. if the person selling the medicine is also sick, I mean, I don't know what else to tell mm -hmm. you, you know? Sick or creating so, the problem that needs the solution. Oh, amen to that. A hundred percent to that. Like, that's <laughs> the thing. It, it's like, you didn't know there was a red pill till the news told you there was a red pill, you know? And that's the way a lot of this scenario works is you didn't know you were a bad dude until you stood next to a guy that tells you you're a piece of shit because you don't make a million dollars a year. You know? Like, that's the yeah. kind of stuff that I'm seeing is that we're translating money worth to human worth. And I'll tell you this, yep. the root of all evil is money, correct? That's what we say. <laughs> well, who, who, who printed the That's money? Right. right? So when you <laughs> right. think that you can put your, when you think you can put your faith in a man or a human, remember the history of the human world is deceit, murder, and everything in between. Like humans have a terrible time getting along with one another. So I think yep. that in a situation where you can find people that you can get along with, find people that are doing things that you're already interested in, maybe do them in a little better. That's what we need to be seeking out is people that can teach us, people that can help us and show us a better way and not always with their hand out, but more so with a hand up. Like, let me help you because it's the right human thing to do to another human. Right. Listen, I just think we've missed the boat. One of my one of my favorite, and, and it's actually, I believe the original quote was applying it to, was applying it to theology, but it, it actually, I've seen it broken down and applied in different contexts, but essentially the, the message is you don't defeat uh, a bad idea 
with uh, with like tearing it down or or trying to destroy that idea. You defeat it with a better idea. Absolutely. You know, so it it's it's in the context of talking about theology. You don't defeat bad theology by trying to disprove it or whatever, trying to distract people from that. You just defeat it with good theology. Right. And it's the same, you know, d- depending on yep. whatever the, the medium is, it's, and that's pretty evident when you see what kind of messaging is being put forth by people. What are they trying to tell you to do? Are they trying to tell you, Hey, it's because of this thing that we're doing this. It's all, it's all because we're running away from this. We're trying not to do this. It's all breaking something down or they're like, Hey, look, I've got a, you know, I've, I've got a solution that it's worked for a lot of people. It worked for me. It might work for you. Like, I don't care what anybody else is doing. Come try this and see if this works for what you need right now. Like I can tell right now in those types of differences, I'm always going to be attracted. Like, Ooh, that dude's just like, he's got something over here that he's really pumped about. It's worked for a lot of people. He's not even talking about all this stuff over here. Like he's not concerned with this at all. Those are the people that I kind of gravitate to. So when we're talking about all of these things that can just get really confusing when it comes to following people on social media or listening to certain people's podcasts and you're trying to discern like what's actually going to be beneficial. Like that's one, you know, for me anyways, like that's kind of a criteria for me. It's how are they delivering that message? Is it at the, at the expense of something else that they're trying to dissuade you from, or are they just confident that what they have can be a successful, like a successful program or a successful product or whatever it is. And they don't care about any of that stuff. Like they're not competing. Like, Hey, I just built this thing over here. It's cool. Come try this. I hope it works. I think it will for your situation. Great. Like, and that's it. And I think that's where you can find, like when we're talking about authenticity, like that dude, just right off the bat screams authenticity, you know, just because it's not, it doesn't matter to him what you do otherwise or what anybody else is doing that's quote unquote competing with him. Yeah. Well, I, I won't say his name, but he's, he's a very, very, very successful hunter. And, uh, I would guarantee you that 98% of the people that listen to this podcast have never heard of this dude, but I mean, he kills everything. He is, he is a full blown mm. And he hunts with all kinds of weaponry, like, and I'm talking way, way primitive, yep. all the way to modern advanced. And um, yep. one of the things that I love about him is when he gets criticism, he doubles down. He's like, "Oh, you shouldn't, you shouldn't shoot a, you shouldn't shoot a deer uh, in that location because it's unethical." He's like, "Well, last week I got a message said that this is unethical, unethical, so I want to go on a doe cruise tonight." And we're going to show you how unethical it is. And it's like <laughs> deer's dead in 15 yards, does dead in 18 yards, does dead in 20 yards. He said, seems pretty effective. Ethical, that's on you. You know what I mean? Like, like it's that's what I love because nobody can argue with the results. Like, he just put himself out there to be like, yeah, right. I'm going to challenge you on this, but I'm going to show you exactly why I'm saying this and doing this. I've hunted for 40 years. I know that shot because I have practiced and used that shot. So, and the problem is, is that, you know, it's like somebody goes vegan for a week and it's like their whole persona changes. Their apartment gets new, new, uh, tapestries and all this stuff. And their Instagram becomes like vegan friendly and all. And and that's fine. Like if you just want to be a vegan, fucking eat vegetables. Like, don't tell me about it. Don't yell at me about eating meat and certainly don't come at me about doing the very thing that your ancestors did. So your sorry ass could be here. Not that vegans are sorry, but somebody that bitches at me about what I do is sorry. Like, I don't care. Eat your fucking vegetables. Yep. Sorry for all the language there. Yep. <laughs> I get heated. I get heated. And it's not even the vegans. But it, it's, a, it's the whole process of what we're talking yeah. about. It's like, Oh, I do it this way, right. so I'm better than yes. you for it. It's all the same type of person. It's the same type of person, regardless yeah. of what it is that the complaining is about. There's similar, like, whether it's, I don't know. I don't know if you could, because I hate to use the word trauma so much just because of the way that it's used now, because I don't mean it like that. But if there, there's something that happens in that person's brain 
that's similar across all these things. If it's, if it's like you said, vegans or anything else where they're going to attack you personally for your choices that have nothing to do with them at all or anyone else for that matter. Like there's a lot of shared similar traits among those people. Well, for sure. And I'll tell you this right now, they're not attacking me. They're putting words on a screen that right. don't hurt my feelings in right. the least. If they want to come talk <laughs> right. to me, we'll talk. If they want to come swing on me, I'll swing back. But that's the thing is like, we have created this place in the they world won't. where where people say, and I'm not the baddest dude in the world. Like, I'm not saying that, like, bring all comers. Like, I'll get my ass kicked just as much as I'll give it. But the thing about it is, is a lot of people feel validated or vindicated because, oh, I told you that I'm better than you. I showed you that I'm better than you because I do things right. differently than you. And if that's coming from the comments, where does that come from? Like, what what is going on in that person's life? And I can tell you what I see is a lot of those people are just lost. They're just lost and they're looking for a way to pick themselves up, but they're doing it kind of like you said, you don't tell them, you don't bash a bad idea. You just give a better one. That's what they're doing essentially with their life. Yep. Instead of actually getting better and doing things that would make them closer to what they hate, which is actually what they want, they're more equipped, I guess, or satisfied in trying to bring yeah. you down two or three steps and they can stay the same. You know, it's it's just a weird, weird world. Yeah. But I think what we're seeing more and more is we're seeing it uh, in our politics. We're seeing it in our men. We're seeing it in our women. We're seeing it in our, our sexual division. All of these things is people are forgetting. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But unless you were born cesarean, everybody comes out the same way. Like everybody is made the same way. <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're all the same thing. Some of these might be asshole babies that were born the wrong way, but like, I don't know. Like the thing for me is if we are all the same, we can't be that different when you get down to it, right? So this guy figured yeah. this out. Great. Help me figure that out. But it's like when they try to revitalize and revamp your entire life, because somewhere along the way they got a medal that said they were good at something, you know, like that ain't it, man. Like that would, that'd be like LeBron James hosting a men's camp. Like he's probably capable of right. it. Like he could probably make millions doing it. Is LeBron James the best version of that? I don't know, but I know that people would sign up for just because it's LeBron James. And that is the problem. There are people far more qualified yes. than LeBron James far more affordable than LeBron James, far more invested than LeBron James. But because that's LeBron James, I'm going to go to his camp. I'm going to give him my money. I'm going to share the tag that I was there. And that's it. Like all of those things can happen in an organic fashion. It just doesn't have to be somebody that's known. And that's what I've tried to do. And again, maybe I'm the asshole that sounds like what I'm doing is better. But what I've tried to do is if somebody gets too much attention and too, too recognized, I know that their actual message is midline. You know what I mean? Like, I mm. know they're playing the game a little bit. Yep. They're either, because it's made to appeal to as many off, people as possible. Or to inflame as many people as possible, because that also appeals to people. Right. The guys, the, the silent warrior right. types, and I hate that word because it's overused, but like the true person who is dedicated to a craft <laughs> or uh, a mission or a purpose or a job like man I just don't know how we got away from the idea that having having a, a good job raising a family or, or you know having enough like when is enough ever enough because the thing I hear from these people is I'm pretty fucking happy I don't have a shit ton of money but everybody tells me I shouldn't be happy because I'm I don't have more money or I don't have faster cars or whatever. Like my truck has 390,000 miles on it still rolls. You know what I mean? So those are questions. <laughs> yeah. Those are questions that I have to ask myself. Like, do I need a new truck? Well, this one starts, this one drives. Do I want a new truck? Well, not anymore. Like 200,000 miles ago I did, but now it's like this thing's part of me, you know? So what are the things that you're being told you need actually going to do for your happiness? Is more debt going to make you happy? Is more, you know, is, is having to 
recover your car and wax it every two weeks going to make you happy because some of these cars that's what you'll have to do to keep up your status right you got to keep it fresh got to keep it clean so so like having those conversations with yourself and i know i'm all over the place here a little bit but having the conversations with yourself so you can understand your why rather than being told your why yeah Absolutely. And well, it makes me think because that's one of the reasons we started to even do this that you and I are doing right now in relation to finding those people who are the ones that are just doing it. Like they've yep. got the thing, they're they're dedicated to a craft, they're really good at it, but probably 99% of the world doesn't know who they are and maybe, and definitely more of them should. Yep. Right. And that's kind of the whole point of why we, especially in in the hunting industry, right, where it seems like there's maybe only 10 names that anybody really knows in the hunting industry and they're successful. Yeah. And they're good hunters. Yeah. But I'm more interested in the like the old dude who's still traipsing around the mountains at 60 something years old and is and has done it and harvested and killed several animals a year for 50 yeah. years you know and done it and not said a thing but probably has more to teach than anybody who's got the million plus follower platform for sure well i'll be honest with you the biggest outreach that i've ever gotten from a hunt or a successful hunt was the doe i posted yesterday the messages that came in from that were amazing and here's the thing I'll tell on myself, I've hunted for years, for decades. I I do not consider myself a great hunter. Like you put an animal in front of me with a weapon in my hand, I can execute that weapon in hand. For most of my life, I have needed people to help me figure this process out. Like I, I consider hunting a puzzle, you know, from the scouting to the, where you're going to go yeah. and glassing and all those things. So. I did not have all the puzzle pieces, but over those 20 years, I've met people that have, and I've learned from those people, and those people have continued to invest and help me with information and time. And then yesterday, I was able to uh, to have a, a solo whitetail hunt, picked a tree, hung the saddle, got a great doe down on the dirt. So I, having done all of those things, having traveled the world to hunt, I'm very proud of all of my hunts. I have no more ownership of any hunt that I've ever done than the one I did yesterday. Like that was totally mine. So I think people saw somebody admitting that this is new for me. This isn't a guarantee. I really, I know what I should do, but I don't know all the details, but I have to go in here and figure it out. And luckily it worked out. But so many people message me saying, man, I didn't realize that was your first this, or that was your first this, or this. Or th- I'm 40 years old and I'm still having firsts. Yeah. You know, like I relish that. I love that, and I love that people connected with it. Like, I, I, you know, I didn't get emotional or anything like that when I when I took the deer. It was actually like one of those moments where I can honestly say I was proud of myself. Like I was proud of shooting my mm, bow so yeah. that I that I that I knew when I drew back. I had a really, really good chance of hitting my shot. I was proud of myself for paying attention to the maps, HuntWise and Onyx, doing some homework. I was proud of myself for getting up early, for calling an audible when everything said go this way. I trusted my gut. Like, I'm proud of those things because those are things I would have stood there three, four, five years ago and just not known what to do. I would have just stuck to the program. Back to my point, all these people, the program was 120 yards away in front of a trail camera. But what my gut was telling me was right in front of my face. So that's what I'm getting at is take these information pieces, take this stuff that's being given, but ask, is it best for me? Like, I just don't know that people are doing it. I think a lot of us are mouths open and the fork's going in. And that's where, I mean, and it's the most obvious thing in the world that that's where things get abused and exploited but that's when you see the most that's that's when you see the most damage being done to an industry not just to like the person who's on the receiving end of the exploitation because that begins to paint terrible lights 
on all the people who actually are doing it the right, like not even the right way, but just like the way that's actually helpful, you know, because I remember you and I were talking about, um, when you went to, when you to tack this summer and your, your just whole experience at tack and kind of seeing what hunting, the hunting as an industry, like as, as the money-making industry of hunting, not like the people who are not hunters, right? right? Cause the hunters aren't the issue. No. It's, it's the money-making industry of it and what it's produced that it's like, it's almost unbearable to go to some of these events sometimes and, and it ruins the experience. And so it gives a false representation of what everything is. And that makes it really difficult for people to understand this is not, it's, it's my, I guess my analogy of it to bring it into like a fitness term of things. And, and I'm going to get people who bash on it because it's CrossFit, but like there was a difference between what Greg originally created as CrossFit as a system and then what the CrossFit yeah. games are, right? Like people see the CrossFit games and think, oh, that's CrossFit, like not right. even close. Like that's, that is not, those things that they're doing are not what your 55-year-old mother is doing when she goes to the box right. in town, you know, and that, it wasn't ever designed to be that way. So, I mean, it's, it's whatever is shown is not the actual representation of the thing that the people partake in. And that's where the, the whole thing about this authenticity piece that we're talking about, that's where it gets diluted and people get confused yeah. or maybe not even want to participate because of what it is that they're seeing. Well, I'll, I'll use that scenario on, uh, on attack. So attack is a total archery challenge. Sean and his wife and his crew, they do an amazing job. There is nothing more pro archery than than attack and i mean that honestly right because what they are doing one of the most beautiful things i saw because i went to western tax there's several out there i think there's 24 next year um and if you're an archer and you've never been i highly highly recommend it but i think you'll see some of what i was talking about or am about to talk about so i go to i go to the eastern uh, mountains in pennsylvania for their tack and what you see there is a lot of whitetail hunters on a ski slope because that's where they put the animals they try to make it realistic having a blast absolutely just out there in an element that they don't typically get to hunt in you know shooting 90 yards most whitetail guys you know a long shot on a whitetail right. is 40 yards you know some guys might go 50 60 but that's like that's the levi morgans right. of the world right so you see people who are getting a new <laughs> right. you see people that are getting a new experience and loving it and then you go out west, and this is not a this is not a hate on Westies. This is just an observation. It's a little more cutthroat. It's not so much an appreciation factor out there. It's a I got to get my my leg up on the guy beside me factor. And every person out there had a fucking film crew. Everybody like I I never saw so many yeah. film crews on the mountain. Like they weren't there just to shoot and enjoy archery. They were there to shoot so they could create content to grow themselves as an archer two totally different things yep. and <clears throat> I've been to all the tacks up on the mountain uh, with around uh, the people out there fantastic absolutely fantastic it's it is a lot of the industry and a lot of the people within the industry that make some of those events less than savory in my world right well and it's what is and, and the reason for and that again, is I want to specify that, is, that, that that's is not, what is being well, I pushed. Want to say, again, that's not TAC. Like TAC has, to, they, they have an obligation to just. Right, not right. the event it's, itself. It's the way that people do things. It's the kind of elbowing each other out of the way to get the, the screen time or the face time. And like you yeah. said, the problem with the industry, there are some names in hunting, like Chuck Adams, for example, still one of the greatest hunters alive. Like to this day, still is killing, killing world records. He's unreal. And he's a guy bow hunted for 50 plus years he's just walking around nobody's saying anything to him nobody's shaking his hand i recognized him and bert and i started talking to him right in front of the booth and he was so appreciative of it like he appreciated being recognized yeah. in an event where there's a lot of people getting recognized that haven't killed in a lifetime what that dude kills in a season and you know <laughs> it's um right. it's just a wacky world because there's a kid up there named Sterling and he actually, I, I got to work with Sterling at a, at a ranch in Raywa out of Colorado with some Marines. 
But Sterling's a guide, and he's a beast. And again, he's walking around. Nobody knows who he is. Dude's a slug. He just kills everything. And, uh, you know, he's, he's a great mm-hmm. kid, and he's eager, and he's great. I mean, just a super attractive guy on all fronts. I mean, good-looking, smart, uh, knows, knows the wild. 500 followers, 600 followers, you know? Um, it, I yep. just wonder, yep. is it all marketing? Do you think it's all marketing? Or do you think just people find something and they stop looking? Well, I think it's, yes, first of all, I think it's both because that's the nature of how these platforms are built, right? Like the ones that we see everything on, like that's how they're created is to show more of the things that people are seeing and yeah. like, like, you know, that's, that's what the whole al- algorithm is. So like if something catches on, that's what the tre- that's what the whole trend thing is on social media. It's like, Hey, several people must like this. That means we're going to show it 500% more in everybody else's feed. So it just compounds and does that. So it's on their end, brilliant, right? Because it's rewarding the things that people like and seeing more. But I think the issue is it also blocks out the potential for anything else to get shown. I mean, I'm people with small accounts and whatever have been dealing with that as long as these, you know, for several years now of engagement and you and I've talked about it, like nobody's seeing anything anymore unless you're paying for ad space or unless you're, uh, unless you've already got a million plus followers on yeah. stuff. Like your people are, aren't going to see it anymore. And so you're competing, you're, you're essentially fighting a giant when it comes to how people see your content. And if you don't want to spend money for it, you're like, this really isn't the way to go then. Like I'm, I'm essentially just wasting time on something that's not going to be even seeing the people or reaching the people that need to, that want to see it because of how this whole contraption is, is really slanted, I guess is, would well, be the word that I'd say. that's what appealed to this, to me about this project. If you look at my Instagram over the last year, two years, you will see a reduction. You know, I post a lot of stories, but my, you know, my, my daily posting yeah. on the, on the feed or whatever is not nearly what it was. Uh, just be, just for that reason alone, I got tired of putting thought and effort into something and like the things that I actually cared and spoke from the heart about got the least amount of traction. If I take my shirt off and, you know, do something like set my barbell on fire and and hump the ground while I'm doing bench press, like that's going to go viral. (laughs) And one of the interesting things that I noticed about Instagram, I've never, I've never paid a dollar for an advertisement. I don't fault anybody that does, but they have pushed me repeatedly to start spending money. They're like, Hey, get more views with your ad. We're going to give you $10 to start. So they are willing to give me a taste. And just like a drug dealer, what they'll do is with that $10, I guarantee you I'll see five X or 10 X of the views. Same thing happened when I started making reels. I made one, I made one reel that got 50,000 views. It was like the first reel I ever made got 50,000 views. The next three got 20,000 or so. And I'm like, man, the reels are where it's at. Like, that's the way to go. Now it's like immediately because I'm not spending money. I'm not doing it every day. Like I'm not feeding the algorithm what it wants. So I am somewhat outside of that. I'm cool with that though. Like the people that have found me, the people that are like willing to click one more time to find you versus just like going crazy because it's in their feed 500 times a day. It, it's just worked out better for me. I was just talking about it last night. Yep. Instagram for myself, as far as the connection that I get with the people that, that I follow or follow me is awesome. It's never been better. My entire experience with Instagram as of today sucks. There's so many douchebags out there and they're all like, if I had ass and titties and I set barbells on fire and was just mm-hmm. a piece of shit, I'd probably have millions of dollars too. It's like, we are taking people and rewarding them for things that have no value. They have no real value in the world. And what's that thing? Um, yeah. I can't remember the quote, but it's like beauty is a quickly receding tyranny. I can't remember who said that, but it's like awesome, awesome mm. that, that these that these women have an outlet like to do whatever they want to do. And men can go there and pay them money, whatever. If that's their thing, fine. Who are they going to be when they're not? perfect or they're, they got a wrinkle or there's 
tits are sagging or their ass is sagging or the guy loses all of his muscle mass or whatever it is. Like, are you still going to be like, I can't imagine some of these guys, the iterations 20 years from now, what they're going to be doing. Like the things that the, the people that they have gone from <laughs> to the caricatures that they are now, like, are you still going to be out here doing this shit in 20 years? Like what's your exit point? Yeah. It's just easier for me to be up to, to seek to be authentic, <laughs> to seek to understand myself so I can share myself rather than trying to create something that I'm not like creating a character that I become rather than just doing what I am and being in the moment. Hmm. How do you, uh, that, how do you, man, I know. we're already up on an hour. I, think I was just going to ask, like, how ahead. do you discern when you unfollow someone? Because I've been doing that a lot lately. And, and why is it so hard to unfollow people? Oh, man. I, yeah. Oh, man. So this is actually, this is such a good question because I've been dealing with this pretty recently, actually. Um, I'll go, first of all, I have a fairly regular thing where maybe once or twice a year, I'll do a mass unfollowing yeah. of just like account. And like when I'll go through it, Initially, I'll go through and I'll just scroll the accounts. Like, I don't even remember seeing a post from this person in the last two months. So like, that's kind of my first, you know, like if if I'm just doing like an initial thing, like, I don't even remember the last time I saw this, like why? And it's usually not a person. It's usually just an account. Right. So I'll just like get rid of all of those first, like right off the bat, I'll take like 30 minutes and just do a mass deletion of all of those kind of things. But there's been some instances where it's been like, it's been people and it's been people that I know. And there's, there's usually a moment where I'm like, is the, the, here's the conflict. It's like, is what seeing their posts all the time and the state that that puts me in, is that worse? Or is the idea that they might get upset that I've unfollowed them worse? Right. Because one of them is like directly me and my state. And the other one is theirs. Right. Like, I'm not going to be able to control that in any situation. So like, is it, is it they're going to be upset for half a second that I've unfollowed them and whatever. But if it's going to be, I'm every day I get fired up and, and put in a state of state of mind and nervous system just f- flares up because I see something that just sets me off. I'm like, why do I still follow this? Oh, it's because I'm nervous that this person might get mad for half a second that I've unfollowed him. Then I'm like, okay, where, where's the balance tip well, in the, that moment? The, the difficult thing for me is, uh, I never want my unfollow of someone to blow back on Sornex or Bert. You know, I don't want, I don't want those two, two entities right. to be negatively impacted because like, well, Brandon unfollowed me, screw those guys. Like, I don't want that. But there are a lot of people that I really, right. for my own, and I, the mute option is like a good mid step. Like I just, I just mute people a lot. But I'm one of the things that I've been trying yeah. to do actively is as I see these posts that just drive me nuts, I try to unfollow them on the moment. Um, and it, and it, it's never just yep. like a one. Like, well, there might be a couple times where somebody just like, okay, they just revealed a card about themselves that I never imagined possible not jiving with this anymore and, and I'll unfollow but usually it's like yeah. like you said it's yeah. it's weeks or months of God why do I follow this person why do I follow this moron why do I follow this what the hell are they doing <laughs> right. why are they doing you know and eventually it comes to the point where it's like you're just making yourself mad dude you know like you're the problem there's a there's a little there's a little but yeah exactly it's it's a hate follow at that point and I'm like this is this yeah, is the whole problem sure, of what man. I'm talking about yeah, but I think I guess what I'm hoping from this episode is one to kind of feel like, you know, from your statements too, I'm not alone in that feeling. And, and hopefully some other people out there that hear this recognize there's a large, large conglomerate of people that feel like we do. I mean, I talk to multiple people every day. And like we both said, the first podcast got some really positive feedback, some really, really good stuff came about. And I think that that lends itself cautiously to say this can be really something special for us as, as friends and, and as, as brothers, as, as men. Yeah. But 
I also think the approach that we can take is this is just a very human podcast. Like that's, that's ultimately what I want from it is I don't care if you're a man yes. or a woman, right is right. Wrong is wrong. And there's a way to carry yourself. There's a confidence that you're probably lacking because of this thing that can actually be a tool. You just have to use the tool differently to enhance yourself rather than depleting yourself. And that's one of the things I have struggled with. I have navigated it poorly at times. I have been exactly the type of person that I'm talking about. That's why I speak from it, not as this evangelical, I'm above it. Like I'm, I'm definitely capable of being pulled right back into it. I think it's just, it's just knowing your limits and, and setting a code for yourself that you can follow and what you're willing to accept as a follower. And um, I think hopefully in the coming, in the coming years, we talked about the 20 year degradation. My hope would be that every, like everything else, there's a pendulum. And I would hope that we're kind of like, this is what the internet can be at the, as the wide casting net. And I hope, I doubt, but I also hope that there will be a retraction of that in some sense where people are like, and maybe that's not the best way forward. Maybe everybody can't be a millionaire, can't be a millionaire. Maybe not, not everybody can have a private jet and own 10 businesses. Maybe some people just need to go to work, do their job, love their family, and they're happy as hell. Like, how can you tell me what my happiness is just because I don't have what you have? Mm -hmm. Like, I can guarantee you, I sat in the woods this morning. That's about as happy as I can get. I didn't earn a dollar. I spent $70 in gas. I bought a shitty gas station burrito. Like, none of those <laughs> things on an Instagram post look very great. <laughs> But in the actuality of it, it was. It was peaceful, it was beautiful, and it was what I wanted to do. Felt pretty good. I think if I had tried to go in and take my compound, shoot a deer at 60 yards, I would have felt very differently about it because that's what somebody else is selling me to do. Not telling, selling me to do. And I have no problem with my, I love my compound. I will still shoot that thing in the future. But I think for me, I made a personal decision and I had a why behind it. And that's what I stuck to. I just don't know that people have their sticks in the ground as to where they are and where they're going. I just don't think a lot of people, they, they know what they want, but they're not willing either to actualize how to get it or they don't really know what they want. They just want what other, other people are telling them they should have. True that, my friend. That's a, that's the, I don't even want to say another word almost because that was like a dismount. That was good. <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> but um, we've got uh, we've got some. It worked. We've got some fun ones coming up. Uh, we're gonna have our first guest on this show yep. next week, which I'm pumped about. A uh, guy you introduced me to the other day, and um, like, it's he's exactly the type of guy that we're talking about in this show. Uh, just, a, I mean, a killer, right? Like he's very successful, not a huge following, and he's a and he's an unbelievably detailed craftsman of bows. And uh, I'm really excited to talk to him. So we'll have our first guest uh, next week, and that'll be fun. And then, yeah, we'll we'll just man. Last yeah. week was encouraging. I'll tell you that, just from how the how the reception went to the first episode. So, you know, I know we, we kind of set a, a number on how many we were going to do in this first season or whatever, but all of that is pretty arbitrary because we might have ideas that, that develop between now and whenever we said we were going to stop this first season or whatever. And we really kind of are flying by the seat of our pants for a lot of this just because it's something that we knew was going to be fun and had just a lot of opportunity to to express the type of things that we're talking about with what we're going through and learning and experiencing. But also like my, one of my favorite things in the world is talking to people who tell good stories or just telling good stories. Like the, the ability of being a storyteller is one of my favorite things ever. So if finding people that are good at that and have good ones to tell things that you can learn from, like the, who knows what it becomes after that, but that's the loose vision I could say of at least the immediate future of what we're looking for. So I'm pumped to see next week and talk to him and there'll be some more stuff to follow. We're going to have, um, some videos that come out also week weekly that are in support of each episode, uh, just to give you maybe a little bit deeper context into some of the specifics. We did one with the first episode, uh, 
Brandon and I both recorded a little bit that was especially about journaling, um, some starting prompts and stuff, because we mentioned that a lot on the last episode. So we'll have one that's kind of in support of that, just so you guys are aware of, you know, here's how this is all going to look. Love the podcast. We'll have some extra content that comes with it. And then who who knows, man, after that, we'll, like, and, we'll and just like ride it and see where it goes. Like, <laughs> I, I, for whatever reason, I don't get a lot of comments or, or conversation through Instagram, it, it, which is fine. It's not like I'm trying to drive more of that. But in this instance, it's good. Like if you if you like what we're saying, if you like what we're doing, definitely yes. reach out. And honestly, if you have somebody that you're following that is doing some incredible stuff, that's not getting some recognition, if this thing grows and as this thing goes, it might very easily be become a, an outlet for us to showcase people that are doing amazing things uh, that, that aren't getting their shine. And if, if this yeah. could really become something in my vision, just to kind of tell you where my heart is about it, I would love to grow our friendship first and foremost. Like our, the conversations are with us. You know, the benefit is, is that we can share them with people and, and mm-hmm. maybe something's gained. Yeah. But if, if we can find some way to help this thing along, not only for ourselves, because I think between the first two episodes, I personally feel as though I've addressed things that I've thought about, but not thought about in that way. So this is good for me. And because I respect you and I respect that I can't sure. bullshit you. I can't, I can't just say something without you saying, well, tell me more about that. So that's good. But I also hope that above all is people see that we are just two men, two guys, two humans trying to figure this thing out. I'm 40 years old. I'm around success, successful people every single day of my life. I mean, very successful in the terms of worldly success. I know guys that are killing it, that are happy, that, that I wish right. I could model myself like them. And I know guys that are just throwing it all away. What I want from this is to show a, a, a life of my own that is not complete. It's not done. It's not finished. It is always a work in progress. I am always one step from failure. I am, I will make mistakes, but I want to be open about those things. I want to talk about those things. Because the last thing I want anybody to believe about me is that I am perfect. And more than that, I can't help you. My stories might help you help yourself, but I cannot save you. I cannot help you. I cannot grow you. That's the work that you will have to do. And that has been my mission for like the last 10 or 12 years, um, trying to fix the things that I did wrong. So more than anything, I just hope people understand that we're all on the same level through that my friend all right well we'll peace out for right now um give a follow and subscribe or wherever you're listening give the reviews that actually does help as much as people just say that it actually does help yeah um but we'll check in next week all right buddy 